for Jess Tyler, WHMP News. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Grab your coat and get your hand. And good afternoon on this beautiful, sunny Wednesday. Thanks for joining us today. Today, uh, we are going to begin our show with a conversation with somebody that um, will be on your ballot uh, on the 8th, on Tuesday, and hopefully you will know about uh, the position she's running for and about her, but we'll find out all about that. Her name is Tara Jacobs from North Adams, and she's on the phone with us. Hello, Tara. Hello. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. It's a pleasure to talk to you again. Yes. So um, you're, you're running for Governor's Council. Now, this I'm about to bore some people, but intrigue other people. What is Governor's Council? What is District 8? And why are you running? Yeah, you know, I, I actually appreciate starting off with that because I think little by little we're spreading awareness, but still so few people are, are aware of Governor's Council. Um, so they are uh, an elected role that does one of the most important functions, and so many haven't heard of them. They are responsible for confirming every judge in the entire state of Massachusetts from the district court level all the way up to the Supreme Judicial Court, as well as selecting our parole board members and weighing in on pardons and commutations and, and also other judicial um, positions that they, um, they serve to give advice and consent in the appointment of, like our clerk magistrates and, and other important roles. Um, and there are eight of them. We're in District 8, which is the largest geographically, um, representing 102 towns from um, Berkshire County, Franklin County, Hampshire, Hamden, and even a little bit of Worcester County. So it's a very large geographical um, district, but all the districts are carved up by state Senate districts. So each of them have five state Senate seats within them and represent the same amount of people. But as you go farther and farther westward, um, that number of people represents a much larger chunk of land. Yeah, and um, so so you'll be doing some commuting if you win this position, right? Indeed. Well, you know, I've been driving like crazy since uh, I, I started campaigning for this. I, I literally put over a thousand miles a week on my car, traveling all over this district, and fingers crossed, if I win on November eighth, um, it is a weekly. Uh, meeting in in the state house in Boston, so um, the driving will continue to be <laughs> all over the district still, and and off to Boston once a week. Right, once a week. So, um, why did you decide to run for governor's council? You're not an attorney, um, and for folks who don't know, it's unusual for a non-attorney to be on the governor's council. Not unheard of, and it's certainly no requirement that it be an attorney, but. It's usually something that attorneys pay more attention to um, because we're the ones who sit in front of those clerk magistrates and those judges and the appellate tax board, et cetera. So why did you decide to run? Yeah, you know, um, if if I win, I'll be the third um, non-lawyer on the current governor's council. And in past years, it's been balanced with four lawyers and four non. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah, and, and it, you know, it ebbs and flows. This is a position that um, comes up for re-election every two years, so the dynamics change over time. Um, but my reason for being so excited to run for this position is twofold. One, it's it's the work the Governor's Council does itself. Um, I'm very excited to be a member and, and be a part of that work, and, and I see it as an opportunity to affect positive change for Western Mass, but but the entire state. It's a statewide position. Um, you are part of a, a group of eight who who choose all of our judges. So the opportunity to to be a part of that um, was very exciting to me, and especially from the standpoint of um, hoping to to bring more diversity to these various um, boards and and judicial postings and and judges who reflect the communities they serve and, and will do their job with, you know, both justice but also fairness. Um, 
And then the opportunity to be in Boston every week, to be at the State House, to be working with the ex officio chair of the of the governor's council is our lieutenant governor and, and they are their their chambers are in the governor's executive suite and surrounded by the legislature. I've been doing advocacy work for so long that the opportunity to, to be present and to you know, build the relationships inside the state house to be able to be a voice for Western Mass and um, amplify um, our needs and and um, and hopefully be a part of of making good things happen for Western Mass was just an exciting opportunity that I couldn't couldn't pass up and and that's what motivated me to jump in and and why I'm still so excited to be able to do this job. Good motivation. So, but let me circle back for a minute. When you say more diversity. Um, to the bench, to uh, the courts via their clerk magistrates and the other positions, uh, Industrial Accident Board and, um, uh, and the Parole, parole Board. Well. Yeah. Right. What do you mean by diversity? Were you talking about racial diversity, gender diversity? It inclu- well, so for me, diversity is, is inclusive of, of that, but also bigger than that because I think... Um, it's important to have diversity of backgrounds as well in terms of experience. And, um, you know, there, there tends to be um, a trend towards former prosecutors um, going towards judicial positions, and I'd love to see that diversify. But I also do think uh, there's very few people of color on the bench across the state, and especially in Western Mass. Um, and, and so diversity includes people of color. It includes members of our LGBTQ community, more women. Um, and, and that doesn't become the number one factor for me, but I would very much like to see us have a great deal more diversity in the bench. I think qualified comes first, and then character and temperament and um, and for me, an awareness of the biases at play in our judicial system, which, which you know, that that could be from a, a person of color, but it also could be from someone who just has that awareness and understanding of, of you know, what the what the issues are that are inherent in our system, and and a desire to see those trends change. Um, so that's that's sort of what I'm talking about when I talk yeah. about diversity. And I, I see myself as a diversity addition in that I am not a lawyer up uh, to the governor's council. I'm not a lawyer. Um, my background is one that is foundationally from social psychology and then um, been very focused um, since moving to the Berkshires in community work to affect positive change. Um, so I see my voice as being a diverse voice to add to the council. Hmm. We are speaking with Tara Jacobs. She will be on the ballot. Um, to for Governor's Council on November 8th, and if you're early voters, then you'll see her on your ballot there. So I, I, I want to just talk about this. When you talk about Western Massachusetts and you talk about the, the importance of having people that understand the community, I will tell you, I've been a lawyer for almost four and a half decades, and the first um, 20, 25 years it was uh, mostly here in Western Massachusetts as a trial attorney, as a litigator. So, um, and we used to get very frustrated when a local district court would, uh, a local person, local, one of our colleagues here in, uh, in Western Mass would apply for a seat on the bench and it would go to somebody that we never heard from, from the eastern part of the state and it would frustrate mm-hmm. us so much. But it, I was never quite sure whether I was frustrated for the, all the right reasons. Some of it was just a parochial you know, sort of uh, protecting my, you know, us versus them kind of thing. But there is something about hearing cases that uh, develop, that occur in local communities that other people who come from Cambridge might not understand what happens in in Orange or North Adams or uh, a Great Barrington or uh, Northampton. Could you speak to that? Yeah, so I I think there's a few things at play. Um, one, I, I very much do think, especially for you know certain courts. I think as you go farther up um, the judicial ladder, maybe it it matters less. But 
But when we're talking about district and superior and, and housing and some of the you know family, I do think being um, familiar with with the community you're serving and the struggles there and the and the contextual landscape, I think it does lead to um, just more benefit for um, those in front of the bench. And, and that's part of what I've been talking about throughout the campaign is that, you know, as the non-lawyer who's, I really have been going to almost all of, all of the 102 cities and towns and talking <laughs> to people, wanting to be the voice of those people who are impacted because judges don't just work with lawyers. They work with victims and families and community members and, and, and those uh, in front of the bench um, waiting for their verdict. And, and defendants, by the way. And, and well, exactly. <laughs> right. And so um, I do think that there is a benefit to that, and I hope to advocate for that. Uh, the other part, though, I think, and maybe you're just alluding to it, or this is where my, my brain goes, but, um, you know, there's a limited number of judicial positions across the state. And so when a judge retires and a position comes open, um, there's other there's other positions across the state also open, and it becomes sort of a, a jockeying for who gets filled. And so I hope to be uh, an influence there in in advocating for our need here in Western Mass to get our positions filled, to to make sure we do have, um, you know, a sufficient number of judges serving in our judicial system. And and you know, I, there, the impact of COVID giving, you know, such a backlog um, to what already was sort of a slowed down system here. So, uh, you know, being a person to really advocate for us and, and the resources we need and, and the equity in the state, um, it's part of why I think it's so important to have that voice amplified representing Western Mass and, and advocating for us getting, getting our fair share. Okay, we are talking with Tara Jacobs. She is running for Governor's Council District 8. She will be on the ballot on Tuesday. And we want to talk more about the Governor's Council and what kind of difference she thinks she can make right after these messages. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. For the first time in the history of the country and of the history of the United States, the Supreme Court has taken away a constitutional right. I would also describe this day as a day when women in the United States and people who can become pregnant have become second-class citizens. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Hello. I'm Sheriff Patrick Kaling, and I'm honored to be the Democratic nominee for Hampshire County Sheriff. I hope you will stay with me and vote Kaling in the general election. Early voting starts on October 22nd, and Election Day is November 8th. And remember, a vote for me is a vote for a kind, compassionate, and progressive future for corrections in Hampshire County. This ad was paid for by the committee to elect Patrick J. Kaling. It happens all over Massachusetts. In every home and every community. Be careful on your bike. Learning can happen anytime, anywhere. Hi guys. We'll see you at practice this weekend. And no matter how learning takes place in your family's life, Desi is there as your partner. The Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Education. Never stop learning. Find out more at mass.gov slash back to school. Sponsored by the Massachusetts Department for Elementary and Secondary Education. 
At the Northampton Survival Center, we believe that no one should choose between paying bills or buying food. En el Northampton Survival Center, creemos que nadie debería elegir entre pagar sus cuentas o comprar alimentos. We supply free groceries for people in 18 Hampshire County communities in a safe outdoor distribution. Proveemos comestibles gratis a personas en 18 comunidades del condado de Hampshire en una distribución segura y al aire libre. For information about grocery pickup or delivery, call 413-586-6564 or visit NorthamptonSurvival.org. Para información sobre recogida o entrega de comestibles, llame al 413-586-6564 o visítenos en NorthamptonSurvival.org. If the challenges of the past year have left you needing help, we are here for you. Si las dificultades del año pasado lo han llevado a necesitar ayuda, estamos aquí para usted. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. We are talking with Tara Jacobs, who is running for governor's council, which appoints every clerk magistrate. Uh, and uh, the, so the governor nominates, and then the, count, the governor's council uh, entertains, holds hearings, and evaluates candidates and the eight members of the council, one of which represents our 105 towns out here in western Massachusetts. Um, the governor's council eventually appoints clerk magistrates and judges, and we're here with the Democratic uh, uh, nominee, candidate for uh, governor's council. And she just reminded me, and I'm reminding you, when you look at your ballot, it says counselor. It doesn't say governor's council. And I just asked you, Tara, why that is. And you told me because it, when the position was created in the Constitution, and as folks may know, Massachusetts has the longest living Constitution in history upon which the U.S. Constitution was modeled, and it is a constitutional position, isn't it? It is. It is. And so much of what they do comes directly from the language in the, in the Constitution. It's evolved over time, but there's still... There's still a great deal of, of what they do and how they operate that comes directly out of that original colonial era language. It, it is pretty cool. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you about your um, opponent. His name is John Comerford. He is a Republican. Um, I guess I just want to start our conversation by making sure that listeners know one of my favorite legislators is Senator Joe Comerford. Um, any relation, Tara? No, there's no relation at all. And and Joe um, is fantastic, and, and we're developing a, a really wonderful relationship. And she's endorsed my campaign and, and has come out um, many times now um, to really help dispel whatever confusion there might be uh, about the name. It's a great last name, but... Um, but there's no relation and no agreement, basically from a value standpoint. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? There's no agreement on value standpoint. I mean, that may be overstating, but but uh, but no. John Comerford, who is running for this, is is definitely a conservative voice, um, wanting to bring um, a very uh, law and order in the most conservative way. Um, he doesn't believe in parole, which I find interesting given that we're responsible for the parole board, um, or pardons or commutations. And um, he's a strong no on those things, and there's other things, too, we disagree on. But um, So, you know, Joe, Joe is endorsing my campaign, and, and absolutely not to be confused with the other Comerford. <laughs> no, she speaks very stridently about her opposition to the policies that are proposed by John Comerford. So... Um, don't make that mistake. Uh, don't make that mistake yet. No, do not. So, <laughs> so Tara Jacobs, when when you um, look at um, the bench, I, I interjected defendants, and I just want to tell you a story. I once had a client. He was just as sad as I won't bore you with or listeners with a war story, but uh, the real thing was. What do you do in Athol on a Saturday night? Well, kids don't have a movie theater to go to, and there weren't dances, and there weren't, and so they went out and 
things escalated in this particular case and kids got in trouble. Not doing any no violence. It was just property damage. It was just dumb kid mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. And I was before a judge, a, a district court judge, who uh, was a Boston judge who had absolutely... Um, well, he was angered when I said something akin to, what are you doing on Saturday night in Athol? And he, he went crazy on it. And I had used that same line in other local regional communities where judges just nodded. We understand. He's not an evil right. kid. That's just what he did on that night. And I always think back on that. Like, you have no appreciation for what... Life is here. For yeah. what life is. That's right. And, you know, and I think it's two things. So, again, hearkening back to the two reasons that I'm so motivated to do that. One, you're just underscoring exactly where why I think there's value in that. But two from the advocacy standpoint of what I hope to be able to, uh, to fact change through this role is you know, that the reason I feel like we need as many voices as we can, we're underrepresented in the state house in Western mass. We have wonderful legislators who do amazing work, but um, they're a fraction of we of meaning voices. Western Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, oftentimes, you know, Boston is facing problems that are almost exactly opposite of the problems we face and can't quite conceive of what it is to live here. And when we talk about things like transportation, um, really fail to understand the challenges in transportation that exist here in Western Massachusetts compared to the trans there's transportation struggles in Boston. I mean, we've all been watching, but they're very different um, and accessibility because of transportation becomes such a huge issue for people in Western Mass. Hey, just take and the subway from North Adams to Pittsfield. What's the big deal? <laughs> exactly. Oh, and if you can't do that, call an Uber. You know, right. we have Uber drivers in Berkshire County, you know. Right. <laughs> so, you know, just from so many standpoints, when problems are being solved in Boston, if they aren't really truly reflective of what our actual problems are, they miss the mark when they're trying to affect equity solutions. They don't really accomplish that if they don't really understand and haven't really defined exactly the nature of our problems. And as a school committee member in North Adams, I see that play out time and again, where I'll advocate for something, uh, a bill or, or whatever, when, when the calculations actually happen, when the rubber meets the road, the dollars don't flow. The the way we need to use it doesn't really make sense for what our actual struggles are. Um, it plays out time and again where it's clear our actual challenges are not being well understood. And and the the intention is great, but the actual execution fails to land for us. So I, I hope to be another voice to help help, you know, articulate better and, and ideally bring more um, visits here that involve, you know, actually driving around and, and witnessing and experiencing what it is to be in, in, in Western Mass and, and the nature of, of what we are, are trying to solve. Well, my final question before we break is, what has been your career prior to this? And why do you think that um, is and the skills you used in that career uh, will help you in this career? That's a great question. So before moving to the Berkshires, um, I had a um, successful advertising career where I was um, what's called an account planner, but to break it down, it basically is a brand strategist who creates brands and a, a consumer insight specialist who um, uses various techniques to understand sort of the hearts and minds of consumers and the landscape a brand operates in to create, create the brand and the communication strategy for it. So that um, translates to, I think, how I approach this campaign really comes fully out of that experience um, in that I, I really dedicated myself to connecting with the full spectrum of our community members across Western Mass, from people in parks and bus stops and, and in housing authority, community meetings and, and um, picnics and, and all kinds of things where the conversations I had weren't just a, a shake your hand, meet and greet, vote for me, goodbye, but very deep conversations where I actively listened to the needs of the people and the concerns and shared what Governor's Council was all about and had really great, meaningful conversations about the issues swirling around Governor's Council. And 
Um, that approach is very similar to the kind of work that I would do when I was doing work on branch, you know, brands, um, connecting with, with people in multiple different ways, from on-the-street interviews to focus groups to um, deep, deep ethnographic studies well, I see and, the connection. and beyond. So we are just about out of time, and I, I just I, the last thing I want to say is, what is the takeaway you'd like listeners to uh, take away from the, our conversation? Well, first off, please vote. Um, it is so important your voice and your vote count. Um, I hope you vote for me, but I, I hope you get out there and do 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 vote. Um, and that when you do look at the ballot, look for a counselor. Um, and um, that this is a historic opportunity that we have as a Democrat. I'm very excited to be on a ballot with um, a whole slate of super competent, super, super strong, and um, just great female candidates. And so the opportunity to literally have a historic moment with all an all-female administration coming in is just a very exciting time to share a ballot. And, and I hope to be able to join a strong slate of women in the State House doing great things for Massachusetts and Western Mass especially. And her name is Tara Jacobs. And as Tara said, please... November 8th. If you haven't, if you're not going to vote early and you haven't voted already, please, it's so important, as important as it's ever been, that you vote this, uh, this election season. So, Tara, thank you so much for joining us, and I wish you the best of luck. And don't tell anyone, just between me and you, I'm voting for you. <laughs> our secret, our secret. Buzz, thank you so much for having me on. I always love talking to you. It was a pleasure. Good luck on Tuesday. Everyone. Oh, thank you so much. Everyone else, uh, we're going to be back. It is time for an inter interesting thing with Nan Parati. I think she's calling from New Orleans, and we'll be right back with Nan right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Now the latest from WHMP. I'm Monty Belmonte, in for Jess Tyler. Vice President Kamala Harris is in the Bay State today. She'll be part of a get-out-the-vote rally to bolster the slate of Democratic candidates statewide. The rally will be in the Roxbury neighborhood of Boston as a late-in-the-game push to boost voter turnout in communities of color. The rally, which starts at 5.30 this evening, will be held at the Reggie Lewis Track and Athletic Center. During National Prescription Drug Take-Back Day on Saturday, police departments in Hampshire and Franklin County collected a combined total of nearly one ton of drugs. The official weigh-in was 1,935 pounds, which is 300 pounds more than was collected in the spring. Of the participating communities, South Hadley had the largest volume of drugs deposited with 379 pounds, according to the Daily Hampshire Gazette. Police from South Hadley attributed the high volume to their numerous drug deposit boxes throughout the community, which are always available to the public, including in the police station lobby. A Greenfield poet is the recipient of one of poetry's highest honors, the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize. Greenfield resident C.A. Conrad has won the honor along with 10 other poets. The prize comes with a $100,000 grant and recognizes a poet's lifetime achievements and typically is awarded to only one poet each year. However, in honor of the 110th anniversary of the Poetry Magazine, the Poetry Foundation awarded 10 additional poets with the recognition. C.A. Conrad plans to perform in Greenfield for the first time at 10 Forward on November 11th. With the Valley's most accurate and dependable weather, 22 News Storm Team meteorologist Nick Oresco. Hi, I'm Nick Oresco. Mostly sunny skies continue this evening with temperatures in the 60s dropping to the mid-50s. Mostly clear tonight with lows in the upper 30s to low 40s. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. I'm Monty Belmonte in for Jess Tyler, WHMP News. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday downtown sounds? Correct. They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Downtown Sounds Workers Co-op, a music store with new and used instruments and lessons. Live online or live in person. First lessons free when you buy an instrument. Plus, repairs of musical instruments and equipment. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. Some of the lowest income districts will actually be able to spend per student close to some of the highest districts, as it should be. You should not be underfunded because you happen to have been born in Holyoke or New, New Bedford or Fall River. 
1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. When somebody dies, even if it's somebody old or somebody sick and the family is expecting it, it's still a shock. For the past 110 years, the Saluzniak family has opened the doors to their home for generations of Hampshire, Hamden, and Franklin County families, offering comfort and guidance when it's needed most. There's a certain assurance from knowing that for 110 years, four generations have offered caring help with honesty, integrity, understanding, and the highest standards. The Saluzniak family wants you to know they understand things may have changed, but their dedication to helping your loved ones and your time of loss has never wavered and it never will. They are here for you taking every precaution and will help you understand how you can pay tribute during this challenging time. Saluzniak Funeral Home up at North Street, Northampton. Oh, people have always had a hard time saying Saluzniak. It seems that the CZ always gets everybody. Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton. They're not easy to spell, but they are CZ to spell. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And it is Wednesday afternoon, and it's time for Nan Parati's Interesting Thing, and she's uh, live from New Orleans. Hello, Nan. Hello. I'm very happy to be in New Orleans, but I'm also very, very happy to be with you guys. And I'm most happy to be with one of my favorite people in the whole world. His name is Nine Cameron, and I've been, with, I've, I've been friends with Nine since before. They were born, actually, very close friends with Nine's mother. And we've been talking about kids, and I'm thinking of a 19-year-old as a kid, about what young people are thinking about. To me, we as grown people really, really, really need to listen to what younger people are thinking about. And so we've, I've got Nine with me, and then Nine's friend is Bella Gauss. Bella's also with me. Bella's a whole 20 years old. So we're going to hear today from some people, very intelligent, very articulate. How's that for some... Some pressure on you. Very articulate. Oh, no. Thank you so much. <laughs> People about what you're thinking about. Um, and we're going to, I'd like to get started to, to say, first of all, what sorts of things do you wish older people knew about younger people and would listen to? Well, I think more than anything, and this is nine speaking now. Sorry. Yes. Hi, I'm nine. Um, I believe that older people, older people, they seem they seem to have this idea, right, that in order to to um, to gain anything out of what you're working for, you have to struggle. And and I feel like we're coming into this new age where a lot of people are being considered lazy, especially the younger generations are, are lazy or not hardworking enough or not paying enough attention or not caring enough about the state of the world. But I, I think it would be really just like helpful for advancement in general if older generations would listen to why we don't care and what it is that's drawing our attention away from whatever you guys seem to think is important. Well, that's my obvious next question then is why we look at people who are your age, who are quiet quitting, who are walking off jobs, who are, you know, the world is having a hard time getting enough people to work. Your generation saying, I don't want to work. What is it that's making you guys do that? And why is that okay? Well, I, I mean, my question right back at you is why would we want to work for this country, the state that it's in? Like, Yes, the country needs more people to work, but, I mean, if they need it so bad, why do they treat all their workers so bad? Oh, uh -huh. So, okay, I know that you right now work for an ice cream shop. Do you feel, and I'm not trying to put them on the spot, but, I mean, are you? do you feel mistreated, or is, is this something just in a broader sense? I, I wouldn't say mistreated necessarily, considering everything and the job is just me scooping ice cream and handling customers. It, it's not very difficult, but I do believe that more responsibility is put on me than was ever, like, um, initially told to me. Like, <laughs> And that I think that happens a lot more often than is addressed, is, is you'll sign up for this job or apply for this job and then get it, and then you're given ten times the responsibility you ever even applied for. But 
is that not a good thing? Like I've always enjoyed responsibility. Is that is that a bad thing? Well, not if you're making under ten dollars an hour. Oh. So you, that's right. Louisiana has a what's the what's the minimum wage in Louisiana? Um, seven fifteen, as far as I know. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a uh, buzz. What is it in Massachusetts now? Do you know or Dan? I think it's, it's thirteen seventy. Isn't it fourteen? We're we're about to be fifteen starting next year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's what I thought. Right. Yeah. So half the wage of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So okay, I can see how that would be a problem. <laughs> right. And and fifteen dollars an hour is like still barely enough to live off of in the world we're in right now mm-hmm. and considering that that is like the highest minimum wage in the country is is kind of terrifying mm-hmm. i mean we're all just expected to work these mundane jobs and make no money and live off of nothing and then just be excited about it and have a have a have a grasp on like what we want to do with our lives well, let me ask you that. What 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 would be a good job? What for someone your age, for yourself, what is a good job? What would you like to do? Well, personally, um, if you're asking me personally, I would I would like to be a music teacher. That's what I'm looking into doing, and I want to start um, advertising myself as a music teacher and charging like you know fifteen bucks an hour, or something like that, mm-hmm. to teach people my age or any age, honestly like guitar, violin, or something like that, whatever they want to learn that I can play. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd like to mention here that Nine has been playing music and is a really, really fine musician, writer, uh, singer, and everything else. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what to you, let's let's take this a step further. What is to you important? If we step back, pull the pull the, the lens way back, what is important to you in the world? Where do you want to be in 40 years? For example, when you were when you're my age, where would you like to be then? What is what is a life well lived in your opinion? You know, it's really hard to not immediately answer rich. Because ah. the first thing I think of when I when it's where do I want to be in thirty or forty years, it's rich. I wanna have money because I wanna be able to do what I wanna do. And it's not really about there's something I wanna do with my life now that I and like aching to accomplish or anything like that. But if I want the freedom to be able to do what I want to do, and the fact that the only thing that would give me that freedom is money, um, that's a problem to me, I guess. <laughs> uh-huh. That's that's actually interesting. Um, where do you see things like, I mean, are, are there uh, things you want to do, um, accomplish in life, I mean, specific things beyond, besides being rich, not necessarily what do you want to be when you grow up, but what what uh, would you like to leave behind in this world that people would have said about you? What is important? And, and I'm asking, yeah, go ahead. Oh, um, I, I would like, I would like to spread this very, um, Honestly, I have a very complicated view of the world and the way it works, and I think it's very open-minded and hard to put into words in a way. Because I, but I think that more than anything, I would want to leave behind that. I'm not sure how to put this. I'm sorry. That's okay. <laughs> a bit of a loss for words, but I think that I think that. Um. <clears throat> <laughs> struggling. That's okay. We can also come back to it if you like. Yeah, we can come back to that question. All actually. right. That's, we can definitely come back to that question. Let me ask you this. When you we have two minutes world, before we're going to take a break. Okay. Thanks for letting me know. See, I get involved. Um, but thank you so much. Um, what do you see? At, where do you see the world being in 20 years or 40 years? When you are, like I said, where do you, how do you see the world at that point? And I'm definitely expecting the apocalypse sometime soon. <laughs> really? In in one form or another, I think that the world is not headed somewhere good. I think it's going to get more and more chaotic until, like, something just breaks. Uh-huh. Um, hold on one second. We're going to reach over here to Bella Gauss. Bella, who's 20. Bella, do you see the same thing? Um, not necessarily apocalypse, but I do see a societal collapse. Um, I do see a lot of changes um, happening within our population um, for the worse. 
And I think that ultimately will lead to an apocalypse, but I don't think we'll see it in our lifetime. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. Um, and I'm not seeing the clock here. Do we have enough time for another question there? Or No, I think we maybe at? we should take a break now. Um, and um, I didn't get Bella's last name. What is Bella's last name? Bella Gauss, G-A-U-S. Okay, and uh, Nine Cameron with Nan Parati down in New Orleans. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. on ballot questions four and five. Join us for an in-depth conversation on those ballot questions. Our guests on question four include District Attorney Dave Sullivan and Wally Sykowski, a Hadley farmer and a representative from the Pioneer Valley Workers Center. This will be Thursday at nine o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at nine. And again at five. WHMP, news, information, and the arts. Hello everyone, Gordon Oliver here. So let's face it, our day-to-day lives always involve money, right? For many of us, money is always top of mind, but here at The Cambridge Connection, we want to help you reverse that trend. Every Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m. here on WHMP, my co-pilot Tina Marie and I bring you a variety of amazing experts who can help you navigate that daily financial maze of life and guide you to a better relationship with your money. This week, Gordy and Tina Marie go deep on the what's and why's of insurance with Justin Doyle, licensed insurance agency agent with New York Life. You want the very best opportunities for your child. Given the amount of time children spend in school each day, you want your child to be inspired, to be engaged, to love going to school. At Bement, each student experiences this every day. The Bement School in Deerfield is a close-knit community of students from around the valley and across the globe. Kindergarten through ninth grade, learning from each other in the classroom, rooting for each other on the athletic field, and celebrating each other on the stage. We are local, we are global, and our differences make us stronger. We interact face-to-face, share meals together every day, and open doors for one another. The true essence of your child's time at Bement is preparing for a life of integrity, of significance, of joy. Financial aid and transportation are available to help make a Bement school education possible. I'm Kim Laughlin, Director of Admission. Please contact me or visit our website. Bement will be the best investment you make in your child's future. For complete contest rules for WHMP, please visit WHMP's website at whmp.com and click on the Contest and Rules tab. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. The only live and local news in the Pioneer Valley and for the Pioneer Valley, WHMP. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Nan Parati's Interesting Things segment. She's in New Orleans. She's there with Bella Gals and with uh, Nine Cameron. Hello, Nan. Hello. Thank you so much for having us back here. Um, we left it on a really grim note. We talked about the coming apocalypse, which <laughs> uh, doesn't sound so great. And, and this is, but I'm hearing this from a lot of young people, the people in their 19, who are 19, 20, 20, up to, you know, that same era, that people are very worried. And so that's why I think this is really, really important to talk about. And it, it also, like, like Nine said, implies to um, what, what, 
what is there to look forward to and, and what, why we don't care, why people that age maybe don't care so much are not so involved in their jobs and things. If you were king of the world there, what would you do? What, what would you do to turn this thing around? Turn it around how? Make it stop the coming apocalypse. Stop the coming apocalypse. What would yeah. I do to stop the coming? What would you? What would you do? Like if you were, like if you could make, you know, wave your hand or, or you know, make all the rules. What would you do to change things to make it a hopeful world? Hmm. See, now my first answer until you said to make it a hopeful world uh-huh. was, <laughs> was might be a little problematic. But I do truly believe that the only way this earth can be saved at the point that we're at right now is if a whole lot of people become a lot less people. Oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wait. There's too many people oh, on this planet. Uh huh. And I think that that's truly our biggest problem. Overcrowding? Yeah, overcrowding. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that most of what we deal with, it just stems from, like, not allocating things well because that's impossible to do with 7 billion people and, you know, everything else in the whole world. I I honestly couldn't list it all, but Mm -hmm. I do feel like the first thing I would do is try and either stop um, uh, some kind of contraceptive thing Mm -hmm. to stop births from happening. I mean, or the other route, which is a little darker. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we don't want to go that way. <laughs> um, yeah, Bella, do you? Okay, this is Bella Gal. Hi. Um, I think economically there needs to be a lot of changes, um, at least in America. Um, I don't see any reason why someone like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk can have trillions of dollars while someone on the street has no home and maybe a dollar left to their name. And I just don't see any reason why people should have to be living in poverty while, you know, people like Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk are hoarding as much money as they are. And yes, you can argue that it's all assets and they would have to liquefy everything, but they still have it. It's it's still in their possession. Um, meanwhile, there's people struggling to even um, get a meal to eat at night. And I think that's absurd. And I think even though um, the world might not end the way me, the way we think it might, like, you know, natural disasters or, like, you know, the sky falling down, I think it's going to be, like, more capitalist than just the fall of capitalism, honestly, because I see the way our economy going right now is <laughs> just not good. So you see the fall of capitalism as the way to save or get us out of the situation no, we're in. I'm saying I have no solutions. <laughs> I'm saying I have no hope for this economy. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I don't actually know what would help, but I do know what the problem is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, that is a very, very interesting. So I feel like you guys are in a, a space right now where you're afraid of, I mean, you're afraid of kind of what's headed, what, where you feel we're headed but don't really see a way out. Let's go back to the vote. How do you feel about voting? I mean, this is an important part of American society. How do you feel about it, Bella? I think it's so important. I think it's our one voice to really get what we want. And even if someone doesn't have all of the policies that you like, if you really feel strongly about a policy, you should definitely vote for it. It's very important. Yeah. Uh, Nine, how do you feel? Do you feel also about voting? I do. I feel very strongly that everybody should vote if they can. And But I do have to say, I have to play devil's advocate with you a little bit, but I think that it's really hard to put all this faith in a vote, knowing like everything that happened with the, hate to bring it up, but the 2016 election, for example, where like you have no idea if your vote is even going to get counted Sometimes, like, you don't know who... I just feel like there's so much more in control than votes. Then votes, they do count and they do matter, and I know that, but they don't matter nearly enough. So it's really hard to put my faith in in a single vote on a ballot. Do you have... A, and I'm not being snarky here. I'm just wondering, is there something that you think might work better? Um... I feel like something similar to the voting system would work if there weren't so many so many things in between the vote and where it ends up. Does that make sense? 
Uh, no. Like the vote and how it's counted, like it goes through too large a process before it's counted. And the whole, um, what's it called? I'm blanking. I haven't really thought about politics in way too long. Okay. But um, oh, what's it called? The, the council votes? The, I mean, just talk about. No, never mind. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I said most of what I have to say about uh-huh, uh-huh. Let me ask you this. If you look at my life, okay, I'm uh, about 40 years older than you or more. Um, back when I was your age, how did you? How do you think that our world was at that time? And would you have wanted to live at that time? I feel like growing up, I definitely would have said yes. Um, like younger me would have said yes, I would definitely want to live in that time just because of how much, uh, how, how, I feel like you were being watched a lot less, just in general, by everyone around you. There was a lot less eyes on you growing up in that time. And are you talking about like phones and media and stuff like that? Or, yeah, stuff like that. But, um, also, I feel like the way parenting was generally handled was very different. And just like you had more. And this is this might just this might be completely wrong. This is my take on it, but it feels like you guys had more of a um, flexibility in like what you could do in your day to day life. Whereas I feel like everyone is so busy all the time these days with everything to do and everyone to please. Because not just I mean a lot of the reason is because we have these phones mm-hmm. that keep us all connected constantly, and nobody ever has any free time or individuality anymore. Which is why I definitely would have said yes, but I feel like now, um, now that we are so stuck in this very crowded world, when you do find something creative or an individuality of some kind, it feels so much better because it, it's so much more special. And I think it find I find that now individuality means something entirely different, and that's why today I would sit here. Mm-hmm. And I and I think this too is we talk about creativity. Nine, you are a writer, a, a, a really fine writer of non songs as well as well as a songwriter. And um, we heard a bit of a piece that you wrote on the as we were going out for commercial a minute ago, and we're going to hear that going out again. Is there anything you want to say about that piece? Oh, spare me. Yes. Um, spare me is a song that I wrote recorded and posted on SoundCloud in a matter of two hours at three in the morning in my dorm room. Wow. But it still means more to me than a lot of the music I've written just because it it it's it's a very specific emotion of just like spare me all of this criticism because I don't I don't care who you think I am. Mm-hmm. It's and it means it means a lot to me because of that. Well, I'm glad that we're able to listen to this. I'm, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to the. Uh, this is this song is very specific to itself, but other stuff you've written, you I see you as a very much a Paul Simon, Joni Mitchell sort, and I'm looking very forward to the rest of your career. And that's what I think you're going to give us in this world is a really really gorgeous uh, music future. Okay, well, we'll leave it right there. It's a good place to leave it. Uh, we've been talking to Nan Ferrati. Her interesting thing of the week is Bella, and it is nine, and we're going to listen to that music as we go out. Everybody have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 FM.